Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about acute abdomen. You can find written notes on this topic at zerodefinals.com slash acute abdomen or in the general surgery section of the Zero to Finals surgery book. So let's get straight into it. An acute abdomen refers to a recent rapid onset of urgent abdominal or pelvic pathology, usually presenting with abdominal pain. This is a common presentation and has a wide variety of causes. Let's talk about the differential diagnoses of acute abdominal pain. It may be helpful to think of the causes as being related to pathology in the organs that are located in the area of the pain. For example, if the pain is in the right side of the abdomen, think about the organs that are on the right side of the abdomen. Bear in mind that the pain may not always be localised in the typical area, so keep your mind open to other possible differentials. Also, this list is not exhaustive and there will always be more differentials to consider. So firstly, generalised abdominal pain could be caused by peritonitis, which is inflammation of the peritoneal lining, ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysms, intestinal obstruction or ischemic colitis. Right upper quadrant pain may be caused by biliary colic, acute cholecystitis or acute cholangitis. Epigastric pain may be caused by acute gastritis, peptic ulcer disease, pancreatitis or ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysm. Central abdominal pain may be caused by a ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysm intestinal obstruction, ischemic colitis, or the early stages of appendicitis, right iliac fossa pain in the lower right portion of the abdomen could be caused by acute appendicitis, a ruptured ectopic pregnancy, a ruptured ovarian cyst, ovarian torsion, or Meckel's diverticulitis. Left iliac fossa pain in the lower left portion of the abdomen can be caused by diverticulitis, ectopic pregnancy, ruptured ovarian cysts or ovarian torsion. Suprapubic pain can be caused by lower urinary tract infections or UTIs, acute urinary retention, pelvic inflammatory disease or prostatitis which is inflammation of the prostate gland. Loin to groin pain may be caused by renal colic, for example with kidney stones, a ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysm or pyelonephritis. And testicular pain may be caused by testicular torsion or epididymoorchitis. Next let's talk a bit about peritonitis. Peritonitis refers to inflammation of the peritoneum, which is the lining of the abdomen. The signs on examination of peritonitis are guarding, which is involuntary tensing of the abdominal wall muscles when palpated, and this is done to protect the painful area below. Rigidity, which is involuntary persistent tightness or tensing of the abdominal wall muscles so the patient is unable to relax their abdominal wall. Rebound tenderness, which can be elicited by rapidly releasing pressure on the abdomen, and this creates worse pain than the pressure itself. 
So if you rapidly remove your hand from the abdomen, this will create more pain than when the hand was actually pressing on the abdomen. The coughing test can be applied by asking the patient to cough to see if this causes pain in the abdomen. And percussion tenderness. And this is where you get pain and tenderness when percussing the abdomen. Localised peritonitis is caused by underlying organ inflammation, for example appendicitis or cholecystitis. Generalised peritonitis may be caused by perforation of an abdominal organ, for example a perforated duodenal ulcer or a ruptured appendix. And this releases the contents into the peritoneal cavity and causes generalised inflammation of the peritoneum. Spontaneous bacterial peritonitis is associated with spontaneous infection of ascites in patients with advanced liver disease. This is treated with broad-spectrum antibiotics and carries a poor prognosis. Let's talk about the initial assessment of a patient with an acute abdomen. Initial assessment of an acutely unwell patient is with an ABCDE approach. Assessing and treating A for airway to ensure the patient's airway is patent and secure, B for breathing, with assessing the breathing, respiratory rate and oxygen saturations, listening to the lungs and providing oxygen if required, C for circulation, where you assess the blood pressure, the heart rate, the heart sounds and the perfusion, for example with the capillary refill time. They also need IV access with a wide-bore cannula, taking bloods and providing an IV bolus of fluid if required for resuscitation. D for disability, and this is where you assess the consciousness level using the AVPU or the GCS scoring systems, and check the patient's blood glucose level in case they're hypoglycemic. And finally, E for exposure, where you finish the full assessment, including examining the abdomen. A tum tip for you, when someone asks you how would you manage this acute presentation in an exam or a teaching session, the obvious and easy answer to start with is, I would start with an ABCDE approach. This is a good answer because it shows you're considering the immediate assessment and stabilisation of the unwell patient, ahead of jumping to a more definitive management that would come after the initial assessment. For example, in a patient presenting with acute abdominal pain, you would start with an ABCDE approach rather than saying, I would perform an immediate right hemicolectomy. Using this answer of starting with an ABCDE approach is not such a good answer for patients that are not acutely unwell. So don't use it to answer questions about patients that are stable. For example, if a GP supervisor asks you how you would manage a patient presenting with a patch of psoriasis, the answer is not to start with an ABCDE approach. Next, let's talk about the relevant investigations when a patient presents with an acute abdomen. The following investigations are useful for obtaining a diagnosis and preparing the patient for theatre. When you're arranging investigations, you're not only trying to establish a diagnosis, but also thinking about the next step, which may be taking the patient for surgery. A full blood count, or FBC, gives an indication of bleeding, if there's a drop in the haemoglobin, and infection or inflammation, if there's a raised white blood cell count. Urea and electrolytes, or a use and ease blood test, 
gives an indication of any electrolyte imbalances and also the kidney function, this is particularly useful prior to CT scans where they may require a contrast injection that can be harmful towards the kidneys. Liver function tests or LFTs gives an indication of the state of the biliary and the hepatic system. A C-reactive protein or CRP blood test gives a non-specific indication of inflammation and infection. Amylase can be useful as an indicator of inflammation in the pancreas in acute pancreatitis. The International Normalised Ratio or INR blood test gives an indication of the synthetic function of the liver, so how well the liver is producing clotting proteins and products. And it's also important to assess the patient's clotting prior to having any procedures, particularly in patients who are on warfarin. Checking the serum calcium level is required to do the Glasgow score for acute pancreatitis. Checking the serum human chorionic gonadotropin or HCG or doing a urine pregnancy test is essential in females of childbearing age. This is essential to rule out pregnancy-related complications as a cause of the abdominal pain, for example, ectopic pregnancy. Performing an arterial blood gas, or ABG, analysis will show the lactate, which is an indication of tissue ischemia, and the PO2, which is used for scoring acute pancreatitis and producing a Glasgow score. Checking the serum lactate gives an indication of tissue ischemia, Lactate is a product of anaerobic respiration and it can also be raised in dehydration or hypoxia. You can either check the lactate as a serum lactate or on an ABG result. Performing a group and save is essential prior to theatre in case the patient requires a blood transfusion. Performing blood cultures is important if infection is suspected. An abdominal x-ray can provide evidence of bowel obstruction by showing dilated loops of bowel. An erect chest x-ray can demonstrate air under the diaphragm when there is intra-abdominal perforation. An abdominal ultrasound can be useful for checking for gallstones, biliary duct dilatation and any gynecological pathology. And finally, a CT scan is often required to identify the cause of an acute abdomen and determine the correct management. So let's talk about management. Initial management of an acute abdomen involves an ABCDE assessment, alerting seniors of any unwell patients, for example, escalating to the registrar, consultant and critical care if required making the patient nil by mouth if surgery may be required or if they have features of a bowel obstruction, inserting an NG tube in the cases of bowel obstruction, prescribing IV fluids if required for resuscitation or maintenance, prescribing IV antibiotics if infection is suspected, analgesia as required for pain management, Arranging investigations as required, for example, blood tests, group and save, and scans. Performing a venous thromboembolism risk assessment and providing a prescription if it's indicated for venous thromboembolism prophylaxis. 
and prescribing the patients regular medications on a drug chart if they're being admitted to hospital. It's worth bearing in mind that some of these regular medications may need to be withheld depending on the pathology. Patients that are being admitted to an acute surgical unit will usually be seen by a junior doctor, then reviewed by the surgical registrar if required. A consultant will then review that patient on the post-take ward round and create a management plan that is then carried out by the junior doctors. This management plan may involve further investigations, preparations for surgery or discharging the patient depending on the presentation. Further management steps are necessary if the patient requires surgery. And this involves taking consent for the surgical procedure, and this needs to be done by somebody who's suitably qualified, review by an anaesthetist, putting the patient on the theatre list, and cross-matching units of blood if required. For example, if the patient has a low haemoglobin and bleeding is being anticipated. So thanks for listening to this episode on acute abdomen. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. And I hope you've subscribed to this podcast. So we'll see you in the next episode, which will be all about appendicitis.